Welcome to the Raven and Rant Podcast with Brandon and Kat. Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of Raven and Rants. My name is Brandon. I am your host, and accompanying me on this adventure is our co-host, Kat. How are you doing, Kat? I'm Peach Keen, Jelly Bean. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Today, since this is the very first episode, I would like to get in and try to would like to talk about a little bit about who we are and uh, what our plans are for this uh, this podcast and what we want to do with it and and where we want to go with it and what we want to talk about. So. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. I am. My name is Brandon. I am an IT specialist. I handle uh, handheld computers and things for a trucking company. Um, I'm also a nerd when it comes to movies, video games, Marvel. Star Wars is my jam. I love it. Love it my whole life. I love Marvel, and so I get into stuff like that. I'm also a Disney nut, so I will be talking a lot about Disney. We will be bringing that up. Also, I'm also pretty vocal when it comes to different types of social issues. I like to talk about things and get my feelings heard. Also, we we are going to be talking about a couple of different things when it comes to when it comes to social issues when it regards to Hollywood and different type of video game issues and things like that when it comes for females and diversity and things like that within the different realm of the entertainment industry. Anything else you want to add, Kat? No. That about covers what we're going to be talking about. A little bit about me, though. Um, I'm Kat. I'm actually Canadian. Brandon is American. So we have different points of view on political issues as well. But social issues, we tend to agree quite a bit with. And we are both very passionate about them. I'm a lawyer. That's all I'm going to say about that. And I'm really looking forward to doing this. Getting our voices heard and having it out there in the general public. It'll be fun. And terrifying. Yes. Could be terrifying. Very terrifying. <laughs> this is new for us. Definitely something I've never done before. No, so, I've done a lot of public speaking. I've never done a podcast before. I've done like zero public speaking other than, you know, college. So this is new. You'll be fine. Hopefully. All right. So uh, let's get your, we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, what kind of entertainment stuff do you enjoy? Like do you, do you Star Wars, you like Star Wars, you like, like Marvel, Disney, what type of movies do you like? What kind of music do you like? I tend to be very eclectic. I have to admit, I'm a bit of a Disney nut as well. I grew up on it, and so I still remember seeing Bambi in the theater. And I was crying when Bambi's mother was shot, so my mom had to leave the theater with me. And that's my earliest memory of Disney, so I'm a bit of a Disney nut as well. I like all sorts of movie genres, though, I have to admit. I like chick flicks. I also like horror movies. I like Marvel and Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all the big ones. Um, I also really love 80s movies because that was the era I grew up in, and I absolutely love 80s mu- movies ghost? and music. Are you a fan of Ghost? Yes, kind of, sometimes. And who doesn't like Patrick Swayze? Let's be real. I do like Patrick Swayze. I'm not a big fan of Demi Moore, I have to admit. Uh, not really a big fan, but she was good in Ghost. Yes, the feelings in Ghost is what made that movie really great. I mean, what other movie has ever made pot- making pottery sexy? That's very true. 
That's very true. I wonder how many people started taking pottery classes after that movie came out. Who knows? We're going to look that up. That's probably a very interesting <laughs> stat. Uh. <laughs> pottery business booms in the United States after Ghost. That's, yeah. Unchained Melody's playing in the background. <laughs> There's a dude, some weird guy just sitting there like, this, this ain't how it's supposed to work. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to do that with the clay. That's true. All right. So my earliest memory when it comes to like Disney was, you know, I grew up during the, the time of Disney Channel being a luxury. So it, you, we would always have this little three-day weekends, I don't, you know, back in the early 90s, late 80s. And we would wait until those that, that weekend would come on, and I would watch things like Kids Incorporated, DuckTales, you know, uh, Tailspin, Dumbo Circus, you know, that kind of thing. Now, I remember Fantasia. I remember watching Fantasia. I remember watching, you know, people don't understand, like, you know, Snow White and the Seven Doors came out in 19, was it 37, 39? Something, something like that, yeah. Something like that. So I remember watching that. So you could definitely go back and say, you know, things, you know, watch things a lot. It was 37. I just looked it up. So I've watched Disney my whole life. Um, I love Disney. I, I would take Disney cartoons and TV shows over Hanna Barbara any day. Um, that's just who I am. That's what I've also I've always done. Um, when it comes to you know, if you had to pick one, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. What would be your kind of, you sci-fi or are you more fantasy? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, you have hot elves shooting arrows at orcs as they slide down shields in Lord of the Rings. Right, right. But that didn't happen in the book. True, very true. And the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring was a little long, but the books ended up being phenomenal. But in Star Wars, you have Mark Hamill. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure which way I'd have to go on that because I absolutely love Luke Skywalker and Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill, if you ever hear this, you are amazing. Um, sorry. Yeah, I don't know which one I'd be able to pick because I love fantasy, but I love the sci-fi side as well. They're both such incredible stories that it's actually the story I love, not really the fantasy or sci-fi. It's the people and what they do and the feelings behind it and the changes that they go through. That's what makes them incredible stories. I mean, okay. So Star Wars in your story, and that's something that's, that's very interesting because you can sit here and you can look at some of the things that's going on with, you know, with, with the direction of Star Wars storytelling and or lack thereof, but that's for another topic. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you could get into how Hollywood in itself, from a storytelling perspective, is lacking in regard to the classics like what George Lucas and still Spielberg and all, and all that did back in the late seventies and what Tolkien did and during, you know, with Lord of the Rings and things like that. And what Peter Jackson was able to bring to life with the trilogies in the, in the late nineties and early two thousands, which I, I, I will say that I find that he failed to accomplish with the Hobbit trilogy. Oh gosh. Yes. The a, the Hobbit never should have been a trilogy. The book is not that long. Two two movies tops. Two movies Absolutely. Tops. And they just made it so over the top. They were trying to recreate Lord of the Rings, but that's not what the story of The Hobbit is about. 
Well, they failed in in regards to trying to recreate the world by making it super CGI. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was terrible. Like Rivendell and the Hobbit. Take you can take Rivendell from the Hobbit and take Rivendell from the Lord of the Rings, and it looks completely different because of the CGI. Yeah. And that that aggravated me. I did not enjoy that at all. That that actually kind of pissed me off. I did love the characters that they had in the Hobbit. Like I loved the actors who played the dwarves, and yeah, they were good. I thought everybody who was in it was fantastic. Oh, Except yeah. maybe the elves. Uh, what they did with that was a little bizarre. But Are you talking about the wood elves? Yeah, like when they added in um, the Legolas and the love interest. and. Well, Legolas like, was supposed to be there. That that was in The Hobbit. Yes, but his love interest was no, not. No, no, right. Tyrell was not. Tyrell yeah. or whatever her name was. Uh, I mean, I didn't mind it. I thought it was okay. Uh, I thought it was fine. Eh. But it didn't add to the story. No, I mean... It was just like, here's a woman that we're going to randomly stick in this story because there isn't enough. Uh, they so wanted to add some go. weird love triangle to make the story longer. But of, why? It was totally not necessary. Well, it, it was not, not necessary. But it's like we just said, it was not necessary to make a, a, tril- a trilogy out of it. But True. they needed to do something to make it a trilogy, and that was what they decided, which in and of itself was probably not the best idea. Agreed. Okay, so like for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I've always been a Star Wars guy. Like I have been a Star Wars nut. I love Star Wars, even though I've had issues with the Last Jedi and things like. That. I bought it when as soon as it came out on Blu-ray because that's just who I am. I, I will watch Star Wars. I I haven't went and saw Solo yet. That's that's kind of I don't know why I never did, but I haven't. But I've been a Star Wars guy since day one. I have bought every different version. Of the movies, I will watch them before Lord of the Rings every day and twice on Sunday. I'm a sci-fi guy. Yeah, and you can look at that from the video games I play. Um, I, I enjoy the Star Wars The Old Republic. I like playing... Uh, I play Star Trek Online. My, uh, Mass Effect. Um, uh, no Man's Sky is something I've gotten into. Uh, Wildstar uh, is another online game that I've played. That is very sci-fi. That I, I'm gonna go out and say that it, that game is very underappreciated, and it's a it's a shame. That's what's happening to that game. I uh, I would definitely take Star Wars over Lord of the Rings. Uh, I enjoy fantasy. You know, I play World of Warcraft. Um, I'm playing in the Battle of Azeroth expansion now. Um, but if I had to pick one of the two, I would definitely go Star Wars over Lord of the Rings. Well, if we're looking at games, then I guess I'm more fantasy because looking at the games that I have. It's definitely more fantasy-oriented, though I do have Star Wars The Old Republic. Uh, we played that together. It was very interesting. But You're, You were I my love... minion. You were my Padawan. Yes, you taught me the ways, great one. Yes, yes, I, I did. I would not have survived without you. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> I taught you how to go pew-pew. <laughs> I was never really good at pew-pew, but force choking, I have to admit, my tune was pretty good at force choking. Um, yeah, the pew pew the, with the stealth never really got the hang of that. Talk about with but, the agent. Yeah, the agent was, yeah, it was awkward. I didn't, you know, that was an awkward class. But uh, again, that's a whole another topic. Um, what they did with that game. Some of my favorite games include Final Fantasy. Almost all of them. I haven't played all of them, but any of the Final Fantasy games that I have played, I love. Final Fantasy fourteen is friggin' gorgeous. Did you cry I'm, when uh, in Final Fantasy seven? The big uh, death scene. Yes. Yeah. That was a great game. You know they're getting re- they're getting ready to remake it. I know. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. 
I bought Final Fantasy 15. I haven't even opened it yet because we've been busy with World of Warcraft. Um, I also play games like King's Quest. So I don't know if anybody remembers King's Quest from the 80s. And oh, yeah. I don't know if it ever went into the 90s. Those are still my one of my favorite games. But my all-time favorite genre, no. the all, My all-time favorite grouping is Zelda. All <laughs> the Zeldas. And Zelda is the princess, for those of you who don't know. Link is the hero. Zelda, princess. Link, hero. Get that straight, because... Every time someone calls Link Zelda, it's so irritating. Um, I also like Dreamfall, if anybody's ever heard of that, The Longest Journey. But then, again, I also like Civilization, Caesar. Oh, and Alice Madness. That game is really neat. Alice goes back to Wonderland, and she's cuckoo bananas. So it's very interesting to play. Um, did you know that King's Quest is on Steam? Yes, I own, I own all of them. All uh. seven, and then they came out with like a couple other ones that don't really follow the original King's Quest, and they're terrible. Well, what did you expect? It's freaking Steam. Um, but the original King's Quest is so great. It's like the old DOS, where you actually have to type in what you want them to do. Like, get shovel. Get <laughs> carrot. Give carrot to goat. Like, it's hilarious to play. And the graphics are so ridiculous. I'll be honest with you, I've never played King's Quest. Um, I play Dragon Quest. Uh, I play Dragon Quest. I play Dragon Warrior. I play those. Those from the original Nintendo. I love me some Dragon Warrior. That was great. I have that. I have the NES and the SNES that Nintendo released. They're fabulous games. Although, I'm terrible at Super Mario. I used to be really great at that game. Apparently, I have lost those skills because I am terrible at it now. And Yoshi. Oh, I love Yoshi. He's so cute. You know what game I'll go back and play that I'm absolutely awful at now? Tetris? And I was really, really good. Not back Tetris. In <laughs> back game? in the day. Back in the day. Mortal Kombat. I play the original Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat. I am so bad <laughs> at it now. It's awful. You've forgotten all the codes, right? Like the double button punches. Oh, and God, that yeah. Kind of thing? It's yeah, awful. I can't, I can't jump those. anymore. It's not as smooth as the new Mortal Kombat's. So I'm like, oh, God, it's so clunky. And yes. I just gets, it's bad. It yes. is so bad. But I tell you, there's one game that I go back and I can play it. And, and I'm it's like riding a bike, man. I just pick it right back up and I keep playing it. And I freaking punch out um, all the way until you get to the end. I can't ever beat the final guy. I'm like, God, if anybody's ever beat Mike Tyson, I want to shake your hand. I don't think I've ever played that game. Oh, Mike Tyson's punch out. Great, amazing, amazing game. Love me, love me some Mike Tyson. But uh, King Hippo is from the Punch Out Games. <laughs> Do you remember the the old '80s cartoon uh, Captain N? Uh, Captain N. Do you remember that? No. You don't remember Captain N? Oh my gosh! Look it up on YouTube. It's there. Captain okay. N. I have to admit that as a child, from about the time that I was nine to the time that I was nineteen, we were too poor to have cable. So. I missed out on a bunch of things, and then we moved to the middle of nowhere, and we couldn't actually get cable because it wasn't offered at my house. In fact, at that time, they didn't have satellite. So we got two channels. We got CTV, for those in Canada, we got CTV, and we got TVO. Now, TVO was the public network, and it had fabulous shows like Ghost Rider. I don't know if you ever had Ghost Rider. As in like the Marvel Ghost Rider? 
No, as in like it was an actual typewriter that like told stories and it helped kids solve crimes. It was awesome. It was Ghostwriter, but no, that was on TVO in like the 90s. I loved it. It was great. I can't find it anywhere or else I'd buy it because I own She-Ra. I am the person who buys all the 80s shows. They're fabulous. I was so excited that I, I was walking around one, one Christmas in Walmart and um, in a bargain bin during close to Black Friday, there was a complete set of the She-Ra series, which, you know, it didn't have a whole lot of episodes. It was good, but it only had like one or two seasons. Yeah. And uh, I got them all for a dollar. What? Yeah. It was amazing. All of She-Ra for a dollar? All of it for a dollar. Like all three seasons? Yeah. Okay, because now She-Ra, like you have to buy it in half seasons, and they're like 60 bucks a half season. One dollar. Oh my gosh. I'm a little jealous right now. I won't lie, because I don't quite own all of She-Ra. However, She-Ra's on Netflix, so I've been watching She-Ra on Netflix. So um, is Gem and the Holograms. One of my big childhood, um, I love, I love, and I was very excited, super excited. I was over at, my, I was over at a friend's house, and uh, we were sitting there, and we were just looking through TV. And it was, it was around early part of December, a couple years ago, and we were just flipping through it, and... Bam! He-Man, She-Ra Christmas special. I love that special. It's so funny. It's so awful, but so good <laughs> at the same time. You know, I'm like, oh, I gotta watch it. It's 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 like the epitome of cheese. It's oh, yeah. awesome. So oh, yeah. hilarious. I loved when the '80s cartoons had Christmas specials. They were great. Everything but the uh, uh, Star Wars. That was I have bad. to admit. I never saw that. I didn't even know it existed oh. until I think it was mentioned on Big Bang. Yeah, don't, 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 don't suffer. Don't even put yourself <laughs> through that. It's so bad. That was back when Star Wars was bad. Let's be real. All these Star Wars nuts out there, everybody has this fond memory of Star Wars and the, and the, and the you know, the fandom. From about like 84 to 80 to 90, it was terrible. It was absolute crap. Um, it didn't get good again until Timothy Zahn wrote the Thrawn trilogy the era of the empire books in the early nineties. That's when it kind of picked back up again, but that like 10 year stretch in the eighties and early night, it was awful. It was so bad. What are you talking about? That was the Ewoks cartoon. Awful. So bad. <laughs> I loved the Ewoks. We're the e e e e Ewoks. I rest my case. <laughs> I don't really disagree. It wasn't like it was epic storytelling, but I loved the Ewoks. They <sighs> so were fun. Bad. So bad. George Lucas, though, man, what a genius. What a freaking genius. You know what? I love to go back and watch and just compare the two. Do you remember um, the original Clash of the Titans? You know, the robot owl? Yes. Okay. You know, that came out after the first Star Wars movie? No, I did not. Yeah, it came out after A New Hope. So I want you to sit down and actually think about how the special effects that Lucas was able to, to put together in A New Hope, and look at what a big budget movie The Clash of Titans was considered at the time, mm-hmm. and how and the difference between the special effects, and how much of a genius George Lucas was. And he did it with like a nothing budget. Do you want me to do that right now? No, I don't want you to actually sit down and go watch it. I mean, you've seen them. You should know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been a while since I saw the original Clash of the Titans. The remake is not my favorite. No, the remake's awful. 
Yes. Um, but A New Hope, I watch that regularly. I have to admit, my mom and I watch Star Wars probably at least once a year, normally around Christmas when I have time off. Yeah. Such a great trilogy. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, man. I will say this, though. Um, if you go to, like, the prequels that came, you know, The Famous, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, you can tell the difference between the, the, the storytelling in those and what was in the original trilogy because Luke George didn't have anybody to tell him, no, George, that's stupid, in the prequels like he did in the uh, original trilogy. You could tell that Spielberg wasn't there and his ex-wife wasn't there to kind of rein George in a little bit. You can also tell that in the original one, like they used to make so many more props than they do now because they actually had to build the sets and build everything that they wanted to use rather than just going, okay, we're going to slap it on a green screen. You wear a suit and we'll put you in front of it. And you can really tell that difference because as cheesy as some of the props were, they were still interacting with them. Like it was still more lifelike than it is on the green screen because how many times on this green screen, like is is the character the only person that's actually there? And you can see it in the movies. Like on, on my television, when I watch the prequels now, um, I can see the green screen and it looks so fake. Whereas the props still hold up because they were physically there and it makes it more lifelike. It makes it more engaging because the person actually did have to walk around a rock or whatever, rather than, Hey, move funny because we're going to put something in there at that time. And I really miss that. I miss the fact that they used to actually build props instead of just having everything green screen. Although you have movies like Avatar where it's so much CGI, but it still looks beautiful. So it can go both ways. Yes. Avatar was beautiful. Even if you didn't like the story, even if you didn't like what happened in it, it's still beautiful. Well, okay. I'll give you that. It was a beautiful movie. But, you know, we're getting, you know, I'm going to Disney next year, so I'm looking forward to actually seeing the Avatar world in Animal Kingdom, so that's exciting. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. It was kind of, again, it was, it's, it's kind of, uh, Avatar's problem is, is suffering from basically what every movie, big epic movie nowadays in Hollywood is suffering from. Bad storytelling. Predictable storytelling. It was also suffering a lot from trying to make a political station statement in a movie of that. Well, you said about everything. Genre? Everything is trying to make a political statement out when you don't need to. Just make a damn entertaining movie. Right, because that's what we actually pay for. Although I do enjoy movies that do make a political statement. If that is what their purpose is, and you're making a political statement, go for it. But when you try to bring it into a movie that's supposed to be there for fantasy and entertainment and you're trying to be subtle about it, it's kind of bizarre. Like it, it subtle does... better than beating you over the head with it. Like they did in star Wars. <laughs> oh, come on. It was the main part of the story. What are you talking about? Right. Right. When Rose and Finn go on a super secret mission. And it's you know they have to go find this person and not be seen, but yet they're gonna land in front of everybody, and because they didn't want to damage any of the greenery, or or possibly let's let's talk about how bad capitalism is, and then let's go and oh look at these poor kids, and let's free all these animals because we got time. 
to do that on a super secret mission for 30 minutes. Well, the animals being freed was a diversion to help them get away. Which they didn't need to make a diversion if there would have been a super secret mission. <laughs> it, it's super, hence my you know, super secret mission. <laughs> but it was super secret from like Leia and the rebels. They weren't supposed to know what was going on. It wasn't super secret from the people they were trying to get away from. They knew they were there. They were trying to escape. You got... You're, <laughs> we have very different opinions about The Last Jedi. And that will be for a different episode because our debates about Star Wars are quite epic. <clears throat> See? Exactly. Anyway. Star Wars In or Star Trek? Oh. Star Wars. Why? Um, I actually don't enjoy a lot of Star Trek, mainly because the, and I realize that it has a lot to do with the time period when it was originally started and how women were seen, but my big problem with a lot of the early Star Trek, including The Next Generation, was how women are portrayed. I also have a problem with Riker like going off and boinking aliens on every planet because what the hell, dude? You don't know what those people have. Like, I'm surprised he did not get some weird disease and have his junk fall off from sleeping with all these alien species. It doesn't make any sense. The other thing is, why on all of these are like they sexually compatible? Because you're talking about all these weird different alien species and Riker and Kirk can just have sex with all of them? How does that make any sense? I'm sure they all have a hole. That doesn't mean it's pleasurable for them. Might be for him. Yeah, but they I'd assume that if they're going to have sex with them, they want to as well. Like, who's to say that's how all these aliens reproduce? It just seemed kind of bizarre. Of course it that, was bizarre. But that bothered me about it. Like, I actually have issues with that in Star Trek. Okay, that, that's, so that's another, why I like Star Wars. But that was another instance of, of I mean, and I know we're going to bring this back around to some political statement, because let's, let's face it, Star Trek was was built on political statements. Um, and they're about diplomacy, and, and, you know, it was a big spiel about, between them and Star Wars, you know, it was more about diplomacy and not wars and fighting with the, the Force or whatever. But let's be real. You have all these different civilizations out in space. You really think we're all just going to get along and boink each other? No. <laughs> I think it's ridiculous. But I liked parts of Star Trek. Like, I did like the diplomatic, diplomatic, diplomacy aspect. And I loved Picard. And I loved Janeway. I didn't like all the other captains, but I liked those two. And I liked what they did stand for. I did like the fact that I love the red purpose, shirts. The red shirts were great. Oh my gosh, I felt so bad for them. Every time they were on an away mission, you knew they were the ones dying. <laughs> Can you imagine getting that casting call? So we need you to be a red shirt on Star Trek. You're guaranteed to have no lines and die. So you can be like, hey, mom, you've been on the that ep- was me. You've been on the episode, like the, you've been on the, the show for like 10 years, and you get there on the, this episode, and they, and they take you into costumes, and they give you a red shirt. You're like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> It's my day to die. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, wow. man. So, all right. So, for me, I'm definitely a Star Wars guy. I've always been a Star I doubt I did like what J.J. did with the most recent Star Treks, mainly yes. because it was like Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, 
Just a little bit, yes. But um, I also love J.J. Abrams. I, I can make do with eight, with J.J. Um, I think J.J. <laughs> is 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 predictable. I think J.J. is a one-trick pony. I don't think he is. I think that he actually gives Hollywood what they're expecting and the general masses. That is what he is good at. That doesn't mean that he's just a one-trick pony, though. Yeah, you may be right. I mean, I was a big Lost fan, and I thought they had... See, my thing with Lost, Lost was a, it was a show that I love. Lost, loved it. I will defend. I will defend the finale until the day I die. But the the Lost stuff, you could tell. You could tell the the JJ Lost, which was the first two seasons, to where they went, and you could tell they were struggling to try to figure out what they wanted to do. But you can also tell that he was started going into the predictability after the first season. Everything started. It started being kind of um squeezed i guess you could say into this is what we're gonna do now we're gonna have this weird love triangle between jack kate and sawyer for what reason i don't know because it makes good <laughs> tv i guess but that's a jj thing though i mean and if you watch him what he did in the force awakens and star trek everything's kind of predictable i mean it, i mean i understand maybe that's what they wanted him to do but Hopefully episode nine where he's taking it over and he's got full ring because they've taken Kathleen Kennedy off of it completely and it's just JJ. We'll see what happens. We'll see. See, he did Alias. I really enjoyed Alias. And I did not find that incredibly predictable. But you're right. There are other things that he does that are very predictable. But that's Hollywood. Of course it's Hollywood. But Alias also got like very strange. And I have noticed that with the longer that some of these things go on, they kind of go, well, you know, it's really popular right now, so let's give them a little more free reign to do these weird things. And then by, like, season four, you're going, what? This has nothing to do with the show that originally started. Yeah, I have to admit, I never lost watched. Well, let's try that again. I never watched Lost. Well, you missed out, because Lost was great. But anyway, I mean, okay, you're right, and you have these TV shows, and they'll start one way, and then it's like they take us whatever is happening in current time and like, let's try to incorporate this into the show with it, even if it makes no, no sense at all with the characters, but we're going to do it anyway. Yep. And it's like, that doesn't, that's not what those characters do. You've wrote these characters one way and now you're going to change them. Perfect example of that. Let's, let's go, let's talk about, I know this is going to be correct. One of the other series I was a big fan of, and that was Harry Potter. Um, you take the oh, no. first five books, <laughs> right? The first five books, and Harry and Ron and Hermione are written one way, okay? And in book six, it's like she, I don't know, she was dropped on her head. And we're going to try to bash Harry and Ginny in, we're going to, this is what's happening, Harry and Ginny with a sledgehammer, when in no way, shape, or that ever makes sense in any other book. The love triangle, or not love triangle, the, the freaking love, tense love thing with Ron and Hermione made no sense. It made it made a little bit of sense with Ron because he's a freaking loser, but it made no sense with Hermione. <laughs> She's way too smart for that. There was no way in any world that a, a, a coupling, as you were, of Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger would ever make sense. But it was like she just changed it after five books. You I'm know what's really funny about that? Women make stupid decisions. So do men. But women that you would consider really, really intelligent make really stupid love decisions all the time. 
because we do. It's just part of being human. So is it entirely possible that she would make a foolish decision like that? Yes. Can I totally see them getting divorced after three years? Absolutely, because Ron would be jealous of her success. Ron was jealous of everything. I'm also I'm I'm also the person that says Ron Weasley probably should have died before the series was over, but that's that's a whole other debate. I liked Neville. Neville he was, was awesome. adorable. Neville was good. Neville and was I liked good. him better in the book than I did in the actual movies. Well, the movie, of course, I liked a lot of the books. The movies are crap. Uh, you know, the movies lost me when they took the largest book in the series, which is Order of the Phoenix, and made and that became the shortest movie in the series. How does that make any sense? Yeah, there was a couple things that started baffling me about the books because the first three books were really well written. They were concise. They were really engaging. I think book four is when she started being paid by the word because it got really long and there was a lot of stuff that you could have just cut out because it didn't help develop the story at all. Like it's not like things even came back to it, which that, that that's a lot true. of series, but nothing came back to it. Like it was just I like I was crap. cool. With with Goblet of Fire, right? I thought Goblet of Fire was great. I thought that was the peak that of Harry book, Potter, yeah. and that was book four. I thought that was the peak of the series. And then you had Order of the Phoenix, right? Yeah. And you, you sit there, and you have all this stuff that was going on, and him going to you know the the Department of Mysteries, and you have all these things that she's that she's talking about that room that Harry couldn't open that was filled with the one thing that he had and everybody else never did or whatever mm-hmm. and you have all this stuff and, and you had the, the, the arch right the series fell in mm-hmm. so you have all this and you're like this is going to pay off right this is going to be important and she makes big deals about finding the giants or finding the vampires and things and the werewolves and all this jazz and then you get to book seven nothing there's two giants no werewolves i don't even think there was a vampire <laughs> exactly there's so many things in that series that were just like added in for something to talk about yeah which didn't make any sense because if you would if she had just stuck to the series the way that it started in books one through three it would have been amazing i have to admit like i love harry potter i own all the movies although i've never actually made it through the sixth movie i fall asleep every time it's so bad it really is, and it doesn't so add, bad. well, except for the ending. The ending's kind of important, but the rest of it, it doesn't add a lot. Like, it just keeps going. It's the, well, I was going to say it's the never-ending story, but I absolutely love that movie, so I won't the insult it like that. Story. Exactly. That's good okay. stuff, man. It's great night. How many people in the 80s wanted Falcor? Because I still want a Falcor. Falcor is awesome. They have a stuffed one. Oh, and, and I cried when um, our Treyu's horse died. Yeah, the horse. That was sad. That was sad. I love me. A- I loved me. And that's some never story. That's that was a good movie. The original was fabulous. Yeah, the second one was not good. The third one was even worse. <laughs> uh, it just crashed. you're not wrong. <laughs> I jeez. Mean, Apparently, the story should have ended. That's all. That's, that's yeah. all I need to say about yeah. that. Yeah, it was good. The childlike empress was great. I loved her. She was adorable. She was. But um, but yeah. Harry Potter, man. That's another lady that's kind of gone off the freaking defense and she's finished writing that book. It's like she's trying to stay relevant. You want to I stay? think she is relevant. Apparently her new books are really fantastic. Um, what new books? Book? She's read one. No, she hasn't. She's, she's written read a couple. one. No, I don't yeah, think so. No, I'm pretty sure she's only read one. At least that's the only one I've seen. 
Well, I mean, just because I mean, you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not out there. That's probably true. <laughs> okay. As even if you don't like her books, even if you don't like what she's doing now, she actually became only a multimillionaire, which is still freaking awesome, from being a billionaire because she donated so much of her money to charity, they actually demoted her from being a billionaire. That's amazing. As a human being, that's amazing. And I give kudos to her for that one. Okay, she has at least three criminal books that she's written. Uh, under... I just saw him. I just saw him. Uh-huh. I did and just then... go look him up. Okay, so at least five. Okay. So... I guess my whole thing about the whole thing, like what I'm saying is she's being like trying to stay relevant. It's like she'll she'll go and she'll have these random quotes. And we're like, oh, yeah, Harry and Hermione should have been together. I should have wrote it that way. But don't you can't go and change it now. Of course she can. She's the author. Bull. You yeah, can't but, do that. Okay, there's this entire thing called fan fiction where that's exactly what people do. So why can't the person who wrote the book? It's in text. It's right there. It is in. It is in black and white. You can't change it now. She can't. Now we can't in our own little minds. But but we, but our own little minds are crazy. That's what we do. Of course she can rewrite it. No. She's the author. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Absolutely. That's like, okay. So say somewhere down the line, freaking, I don't know, Da Vinci comes back or whoever the hell it was that wrote, drew the Mona Lisa. Yes. That, and, that would be Leonardo Da Vinci. It was That's Da Vinci. Correct. Okay. Da Vinci. And he, he will, he'll come back from the dead. And you're saying that he could like, oh, <sighs> I need to go fix that. And her boobs aren't big enough. I would say that he would be the only person who would be able to do that. It's his. He is the is artist it behind it. Is it Without though? his genius, when does it he wouldn't have it at all. Public. Like, you know, I was watching a podcast. I was listening to a podcast the other day, right? And it was uh, somebody was uh, Macaulay Culkin was talking about it. And it was the, the, the topic came up. When does art cease built to belong to the artist? And his view was as soon as the artist gives his art to the public it ceased to completely belong to him i kind of agree with that okay like once you give it to the public and the public becomes oh we love this you know and they want to try to be a part of that all right say if you're going to do that and and the artist comes in and he wants to change something he has to understand there could be backlash from his fans right absolutely there can be just like absolutely people can protest if Da Vinci wanted to come back and change the Mona Lisa. Absolutely they can. But at the end of the day, they're still the one who created it. So even if J.K. Rowling wanted to change how Harry Potter turned out now, and she wanted to recall all the books and change everything about it, make it brand new, clearly that's not going to happen. Because she can't possibly take away all the books and, more importantly, the memories of the people who've read it, who've watched the movies, etc. It's impossible. We get that. However, can she write a new series? Where it does happen that way. Where it is Harry and Hermione who end up together. Right, yes. Can she write yes. that? Absolutely. That's yes. changing the story. But that's different than her just not writing it and just wanting to come out of random quotes. If you're going to do that, sit down and write you a sequel series. Right? You don't have to have a sequel series. Write a couple books and boom, done. I don't know if you've kept up with that uh, Cursed Child, whatever. That, that sequel story that came out. That was bad. I have to admit, I didn't, know. Oh, that was bad. No. 
It apparently did well in like uh, Broadway. It was a good. Uh, it was a play. It was written as a play. The book was written as a script. Right. So it was a very awkward read, obviously, because it wasn't meant to be read. It was meant to be seen. Uh, reading most plays is awkward. Yeah. Um, like people who have read Shakespeare. But I, I, I oh, man, that was that was weird. It was not good. I didn't like it. Okay. Apparently, apparently Voldemort had a daughter. Why not? You, okay. I have a big problem with that. Besides the no nose in the movie, because no. I had a bit of a problem with the no nose in the no, movie. No, no, I didn't have a problem with that. No, no, I'm just talking. About, in no way, shape, or form did Voldemort ever have the capacity to want to create life. He wanted to destroy life, and I, why would I? He, don't assume I don't, that I, he wanted to create the child. No, I don't even think he would actually. Uh, he he never struck me as someone would actually want to have sexual intercourse with anyone. I really don't. He was a complete psycho. No, no. I, I could see him doing it like ragey or the experience it once and then go, no, this is ridiculous. I could see it happening once. Maybe when he was like a teenager. Which is entirely possible when he fathered the Not child. at her age. Well, I haven't read it. I don't know how old Yeah, no, she was. No, not her age. Okay, so if the age doesn't make sense for the storyline in Harry Potter, I get why that's a problem. But I could still see him having sex at least once. Because apparently it was been around like her and I don't, I'm not necessarily thinking she was the daughter of like Bellatrix. I don't think that was the case. But I'm, I may be wrong. Let me see. Yeah, I think it was. I it was think with Bellatrix? Was. Yeah. I could see Bellatrix seducing him for that. Yes. She would do anything for the Dark Lord. And how amazing is Helena Bonham Oh yeah, she actress. was great. Yeah, she was great. She she's so great. Everything she's in, she's fabulous. Like, she was phenomenal as the fairy godmother in Cinderella and as a crazy witch in Harry Potter. Like, she's awesome. She's good. She's good. Well, I think we need to bring this to a close. But I know we rambled and ran, you know, rambled for about 45 minutes, but that's okay. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, but we will come back later with the next episode. We're going to talk about some things in particular, possibly our debate about star wars so look out for that and hope you enjoy it and uh we'll see you next time thank you for listening to our raving and ranting have a wonderful day